welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This season we have been doing 1991, and we had to just take a little bit of time out from the hustle and the bustle to talk about a non-bracket movie. Now, this is embarrassing. I always do this. Is it is it Jifk or Gifk? How do we... The owner, the inventor of Jifk says Gifk? that he pronounces it Gifk. Mr. Mr. Olivier Stone. And oh. I, I understand that, but it's not Giraffe. You well, know what I'm have saying? we asked have we asked Doctor Giraffe, inventor of the giraffe, whether or not that is how you're supposed to say it? And what the fuck was that guy on when he invented that thing? Okay, that, you got you know th- horses, that's a right? <laughs> I'm gonna take the one part of horses we all think is way too short, the neck, and I'm mm. just gonna go crazy with that. And then I'm for some reason I'm throwing antennas on that bad yeah, boy, little alien. Yes, yeah, but <laughs> I don't want it to look like a freak. So what I'm gonna do is stretch out those legs so it looks like it could fall at any stretch time. The hooves are just points. Stretch also, them. a tongue, the same tongue that like a cartoon male would have if a hot chick walked by. Mm-hmm. But a jet black. tongue, a jet black tongue. like my heart. And then just absolutely obsessed with selling children of the nation the finest toys possible. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know this to be true, but we're dealing with JFK today, so you yeah. can sort of say whatever you want. Uh, three vaginas yeah. on every giraffe, male or female. Let me ask you, do you know that not to be true, Ryan? I don't. That's yeah. what the antennae are for. I'm just, I'm just asking questions. Maybe we know things about this. Maybe we, maybe we don't. Well, JFK is the movie of the day. And let me ask you two gentlemen, Ryan and Mike, my best friends, competing not for literal points, but still really wanting, I think, to impress me. These, always. these bonus shows where we don't compete for points while discussing a movie are worthless, pointless bullshit. <laughs> you don't feel like they you're laying in some groundwork and maybe establishing a little bit of yeah. like goodwill? I think of it as preheating the Greg Oven. Yeah. Where I'm going to say some complimentary things or smart things today, and he's going to next week think of me fondly. And exactly. he doesn't even know why. If that's the case, I'm going to pull out every single compliment I say, put it on the drop board, on the drop pad, and then just repeat them there. I am a 1980s automobile. You got to warm me up. You know, you got to, 10 minutes before you're leaving, you got to run out. You got to fire up the, the engine before you head out on the old Greg Mobile. And so, yeah, you could potentially build up a little bit of goodwill for the next round. Do you have a goodwill already for the movie JFK, gentlemen? Do you, did you watch this when you were 10 and 6 years old? <laughs> My my kind of goodwill is that about twenty minutes in, I was like, "Wait, Kevin Costner's not JFK," <laughs> and then I was like, "I thought I'd seen this," and I was like, "Oh no, that's Thirteen Days," and then I looked that up and went, "Wait, Kevin Costner wasn't yeah. JFK." <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's always just thinking about JFK in every movie. He's that guy's in. obsessed with fucking JFK in Bull Durham again. Not JFK. Not JFK. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Maybe might be. JFK. Hard to tell. <laughs> Ryan, do you have any history, or is it just like a zeitgeisty? You can't escape the reach of this movie. I, I, I yeah, I've seen this movie before. Um, I and you know the parts that have been made fun of, I've seen a billion times. Uh, back into the left, primarily. But um, back into the left, I does, do. Does I he do, say back into the left that many times? Not really. Yeah. It's no, kind of surprising really. that it became <laughs> that crazy of a thing. It, it is like four or five times. I don't, I'm afraid what I realized as I turned it off, uh, I saw a director's cut, and I was like, oh, no. So in my cut, he did say it like five times. <laughs> uh, but I do love this movie. I think this is a uh, 
oh, it's it's on TV halfway through. I'm I'm trapped for the rest of the movie. Um, so that's how I've mostly seen it. I just think it's uh, incredibly watchable. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's the least boring movie this long of all time, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Um, movies <laughs> this long do need to be boring at parts uh-huh. just to justify their length. Uh, but I do, as a sort of spectacle, I think that it, it's, this is an awesome movie. Yeah, we are going to talk about you know movie or spectacle. It's an interesting <laughs> question I want to get to, but we've done it, gentlemen. We've gotten dangerously close to talking about the actual movie. So what I'm going to do is put the brakes on that, stop it right here, and then come back after a short break. In many ways, 1991 gave us our most normal, run-of-the-mill, movie-ass movies. Well, I'm here to say thank gosh for the bonus shows, because here we are with JFK, half weird YouTube video essay, (laughs) half historian's fever dream, and every bit of three freaking hours. Not normal, and certainly not running any mills. JFK invites us to imagine a crazy world where the CIA boops the president on the snoot in front of the heckin' nation and then goes on to epic fail covering it up. By the end, we may be more confused as to what actually happened than we were before, but the one thing we'll not be able to deny is that we are through the looking glass here, people. All the way through. Nevertheless, gentlemen, I ask you this. Does the movie ever let itself just be a movie or is it too distracted with trying to convince the audience of the conspiracy? I think there are moments. Kevin Costner, his uh, Michael Rooker, and Kevin Bacon just talking. I was like, oh, we're in a movie right now. So everyone's <laughs> like, this is a sketch show. This is a dramatic sketch show movie is how I've decided it is. Every why, scene- do, why do sketches always have to be funny, guys? Let's yeah, have yeah. some drama sketches. What if they made you paranoid? So sometimes it's just like raw footage- that's real and and that's it often interrupts anytime it's a movie for too long like ed asner being like uh oh camelot to smithereens <laughs> it's like it's making fun of noir and you're like oh this is a movie and they're like but this might have been what really happened <laughs> it, anytime it's a it's just comfortably a movie and entertaining it goes wait 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 I need you to know that this is really what we think is going on. It interrupts with like news footage and shit. And you're like, oh man, I was just enjoying a movie. Fuck you, Oliver Stone. Did you guys find Ed Asner's character boring because he did not have a cartoon rabbit sidekick with him? <laughs> yes. Well, he would have beat that over the head, so I don't want to see that. Oh, yeah. Don't Wa- you touch my files. Watching him beat Jack Lemon was rough. Uh, yeah, and then there's a lot of stuff with Garrison's home life, which it turns out was actually much, much worse than this movie showed. Right. But. Um, you know, to show how obsessive something like this can make you, it does go home and to his right. wife, uh, Sissy Spacek, who, damn, or Sissy Spacek, looking good in this movie. I uh, I don't know if I've ever said that about Sissy Spacek before, but uh, and he's just he's basically given up on being a father. Yeah, he, she's like, Jim, it's Easter Sunday, and he's like, I don't care. He and screams then at her, flips her off, daring to say he should raise his kids because no matter what happens. His his part of the dialogue is just a continuation of the same essay right. about Jay. There's a part where he wakes up and he's like, honey, honey. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, I just remembered. And then he goes <laughs> off like into three paragraphs of like why it doesn't make sense that there only would have been one shooter. And she's just like, wait, why'd you wake me up? And then he just doesn't even answer. He just keeps saying. Like, what I love is finally I've seen myself on screen because that's what I do is when I remember a dinosaur fact, 
I just wake my wife up and tell her. And then she's just like, what? And I'm like, no, in the Cabria period before dinosaurs, salamanders were the size of school buses. And then she just Honey, rolls. wake up, wake up. Dinosaurs had feathers. Wake up. It reminds me, there was an old bit on TV Funhouse called uh, like Fun with Audio. And they would take like an interview with Tom Snyder and a guest. And Tom Snyder was the kind of host who their guests, his guest did not speak. And so... <laughs> They would take that interview and then they would animate it and it would just be the guest following Tom Snyder around his normal life, like just <laughs> like making dinner and driving home. And, but like the, the audio, the interview never changes. He just blandly, monotonously just drives through whatever fucking story he's telling. Or like uh, what's the Duncan Trussell cartoon from a couple years ago? Midnight Gospel. Midnight Gospel. It's the same thing. It's just all of this like alien battle is going on as we're just having this philosophical conversation that's jim garrison in this movie oh man the conversations in that show were so interesting that i find i don't even like pay attention to what's going on on the screen or how it came to be happening i wish greg knew about podcasts yeah he'll learn someday <laughs> i listen to many news podcasts but there, there's also a very unusual style to this movie where it almost feels like or, or i wonder if there's almost an intention of like it, a lot of the scenes feel like rec- like purposely recreations mm-hmm. like to remind you that they're very heavily staged scenes is that like a, a point in the movie's favor or a point against the movie i think it's fascinating like this is just because you're not allowed to do what this movie does the you could make the argument i will not but you could make the argument that the court case at the end is almost tacked on so there's some amount of third act involved mm-hmm. because if that if it wasn't for that court case against clay shaw uh he would have gone on oliver stone would have gone on forever like this would have been a 24-hour movie of just garrison wandering around that, that <laughs> talking lack- like to everybody he meets and just continuing the same conversation yeah uh, but I still think that that lack of structure is part of what makes it so fascinating that it does work because I think it just the whole thing just works. It's it's so interesting to have there's the all the presidents men vibe in this movie, right? Uh, or three days of the condor, like it's. But it has just sprinkles of like, is Garrison crazy? Like as the viewer, you don't know that sometimes because you're, you're totally on his side, and every once in a while, somebody who hasn't been in his life. Here's what he's saying, and you're just like, oh, I think I, my face should be their face right now. <laughs> like, but like, because we were there from the beginning of the movie, it's not, you know. Right. And but the 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 thing to, is too is that Oliver Stone, in all of the ways that he is telling his very own story and nobody else's, um, has sort of elected to make Garrison this superhero. That right. I did some reading this morning yeah. about Jim Garrison, not the coolest guy with the coolest life. The movie hints very heavily at, like, for instance, one thing that no, like, the movie kind of says by omission is that, like, he really hated the fact that Clay Shaw was gay, didn't he? Like, he really persecuted this guy because he was a homosexual, didn't he? It's, I mean, <laughs> the movie kind of hints that they're like, and he's not just doing this because Clay Shaw is gay, but something about the way it's said is like, wait a minute, no, the <laughs> yeah. opposite of that must be true. <laughs> And that's who's going to get hung out to dry for this is that we found a gay guy and now we're mm-hmm. going to be like he was because even in his own formation, Clayshaw is kind of just one of 1800 people who are involved in what happened. Right. Right. Yeah. It does feel like Garrison very much like looked at the cast of characters they found and went, I think we could take this one down. And, and a the huge other part that- of that reasoning has to be like because he's gay. Well, I mean, I remember a lot of the controversy about the movie just Maybe not when it first came out, because it was all about like truth and fact and all that, but was like 
nobody had ever put like the this like gay underground under the microscope like Stone did. Like that yeah. it felt like he was all he was adding that more than anybody had ever. And was it just to put something new? Like if that's the stamp you want to put on the story, why was it that one? Well, it's great that you bring up truth, Ryan. Let's take a short break here and get into truth because I I think we are knocking on the door of question number two here. Through the looking door? Through the looking door, gentlemen. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter. Email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies. let's get to the age-old question of a filmmaker's responsibility for truth does oliver stone betray any responsibilities here and has this question or answer changed in light of what facebook and other websites have done to our parents and or grandparents i, I want to say that all he owes us is an entertaining three and a half hours if that's what he's decided to make but I do think because the movie keeps interrupting itself to be like, nah, this is the real stuff. Even though Oliver Stone said, this is my counter myth to the Warren Commission's agreed upon myth. But that's not in the movie. The movie plays it dead serious and is like, no, this is actually what happened. So it gets fuzzy. And I like, I'm. it's the holiday, so I'm around family. And I keep talking about documentaries and they keep bringing uh-huh. up biopics. And I was like, no, no, no. Because you're like, oh, so-and-so played Nikki Six in the dirt. I was like, no, I thought we were talking about a Motley Crue documentary. And they're like, yeah. So I, I did, that makes me like maybe we need to realize some audiences are dumb and we need to. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. That's, that's where the question comes in is Oliver Stone's responsibility. I think he fulfilled it. And mm-hmm. he just stopped short of saying this is I'm doing the same thing that they did. You know, right. uh, uh, my, my main point is that I'm fabricating or this is like what i did i'm but i'm a filmmaker like that's, yeah. that's my fucking job He's an artist. the government did the same thing but then Arguably there's these, these very stupid people i was gonna say i think what what makes that hard argument is like the first 20 25 minutes are just real footage of the kennedys it's like if you didn't know who jfk was here's like the lowdown it's it's like get back the beatles documentary if you don't know who the beatles are but for some reason you turn this on here's in 20 minutes or less their whole career before this movie starts and because of that, it lets you slip in that, like, then this is all real. And I guess it's Wizard of Ozian, and it's like, yeah, we walked through the looking glass. We have our ruby slippers on the yellow brick road. And so now I can pretend this is all real. I mean, starting even, I- starting even before that, though, Mike, is it starts with Dwight D. Eisenhower saying, like, right. I think there might be this thing called the military-industrial complex that's maybe and I'm trying not to freak out here, going to p- keep us perpetually in wars and become a, like an industry that is the, the tail that wags the dog. I'm leaving right now. Good luck with all this, everybody. Peace. <laughs> Shit's and fucked then, up. I'm out. And then it's like that. the natural sort of progression of that is, according to this movie, the military-industrial right. complex removing the president, right? Because that's the, the big the big hindrance. I do. Have you ever read the comic book, the graphic novel, From Hell? Yes. No. It... it <laughs> It's about it's it's about uh, Jack the Ripper and and it's a it's a a a historical fiction about who Jack the Ripper might have really been and what might have been going on there, but the epilogue is about all the like weird history that's been done about who is potentially Jack the Ripper and his conclusion in it 
um, is to say there's no knowing anymore. Mm-hmm. There's been too much mock history. There's been yeah. too much potential history. It's been too much covering up. It's not possible to actually say this is what happened anymore. So I presented a fictionalized version because it's a, as a historical event now, it's a nexus where anything is is possible. Yeah. <laughs> Many things are probable. David Ferry, uh, Joe Pesci in the movie, says as much when he has a, his little freak out right before he dies about like he I mean he he does use the line of it's a puzzle wrapped in a yes. question wrapped in an enigma it, or whatever the, which is this is the classic, origin of that I doubt it but I think that origin was somebody describing Elizabeth Taylor yeah but, that's what I thought too oh, okay um Elizabeth Taylor killed JFK is that what you're saying right now Greg Elizabeth Taylor. I am I'm going to go on record you know, here's what I'll do I will say that I think that she is part of the broader conspiracy. Because that's what I feel like this movie did after a while. Is it just glommed yeah. onto any group of people. Yeah. And it didn't say they did it. It said that they were maybe involved. And every once in a while, it'd be like, wait, you think this because one person sought you out right. and invited you to sit down. Yeah. And they just said every crazy thing that occurred to them while they worked in some office. And then you're like, okay, this must be part of the conspiracy. I Part of one of my questions is, at the end, does this all hang together into one conspiracy, or is it a big baggy monster? I don't I think, think it does. Like that's lost. the important part of why David, <laughs> what what David Ferry said was, uh, yes, we'll like we don't know, we'll never know. The shooters don't. Th- even that's know. the important part. Who killed Kennedy? The shooters don't even fucking know. Like yeah, and so yeah, and I, I yeah, I think that's uh, why he lost. Like there's a juror I think that uh, is getting interviewed after the court case and they're like okay so the Warren Commission's bullshit yeah. but there, I don't we have nothing to hang Clay Shaw or Clay Bertrand on right. you know and that's the thing is that Garrison stops in the court case stops talking about Clay Bertrand about halfway through yeah, that segment and he's just like <laughs> But JFK is crazy, right? Like, isn't this all crazy? <laughs> and that's it's, what's so smart about the movie is because you're like, but we saw things that the, the jurors don't know. No, we saw the depiction yeah. of somebody telling a story. And so and that's why I think it's like, so pointedly like kind of so much of the actor is, acting is kind of like pointedly a little phony to remind you, you're this is not like well, a historical record you're seeing. It's a movie ass movie. What, would have been awesome. Is if Costner said uh, nobody has ever seen this footage before, but instead of pulling out this Zapruder film, there's like a Spaceballs moment where he showed JFK up to that point. They're just looking, looking back. But I think that's why you get a murderer's row. So you get them acting normal, as normal as Joe Pesci can act, right? The Joe Pe- Dave Ferry in his interviews and in the scenes that are in color versus the Dave Ferry that shows up in people's black and white yeah. recollection. He he's suddenly becoming the cartoon of Joe Pesci, like the the. Good Feathers from Animaniacs uh, parody of Joe Pesci because, because they're elevated. Garrison, Garrison sits in his chair and looks out his window and just yes. starts spinning, you know? And this is that this is and now Joe Pesci. That actually makes a lot makes me think the movie was smart because when they showed uh Pesci and Tommy Lee Jones and Kevin Bacon and they're like and they were doing homosexual stuff and they're all like dressed <laughs> like Egyptians and nipple biting and, and I was just like <laughs> Okay, movie, but it makes so much more sense being like, no, no, no. All they said is we were partying, and now this is what Jim Garrison is assuming that means for four gay dudes to party. What do you think they all, do anyway? <laughs> all I could think is that they were at a party, and they were like, and then to like the jump to get them in those costumes, they're like, all right, guys, we're all hanging out right now. Let's go in separate rooms and get ready for four hours in these costumes just to come back and party some more. <laughs> that's, that's not going to work. Um. I do think that regardless of whether or not it hangs into one narrative, 
wouldn't you say it's very hard to not believe that the CIA had something to, to do with this? Like the movie does make its individual points, I think, mm-hmm. very effectively, whether or not you, would, you need to go and track down their sources and find out if they're true or not. It's hard to watch the movie's depiction of all the different places Lee Harvey Oswald lived and all the different things he did and not be like okay this guy clearly was working for the cia like there's no doubt about that part of it right the story is not just that there was it was a lone gunman but also it was just some fucking hillbilly who like got a spur in his butt to kill the president right like yeah some i guess like kind of like a communist that was upset with or marxist leninist by by but i think in the popular conception it was just some crazy communist who got fired up about the bay of pigs and then shot kennedy and then he in turn was shot by someone (laughs) who was so into the kennedys that he was like i don't want mrs kennedy to have to go through this and so (laughs) he killed the killer it's on face value it's so absurd and like obvious that yeah. I think all of this stuff has sprung up around it to try to occlude the fact that it's like, okay, obviously something really weird happened here. Like, the, the, this story does not make sense at all that we've been given by the, the Warren Commission. It's it's fun knowing, so I'm 35, uh, I'm about to get handed my big stack of World War II books, and that's what I'm getting into. Nope, that's gone, man. I am now going to get heavily into JFK and figure out what's <laughs> going on. This is my old man hobby. But see, that's the thing, Mike. Uh, like, really, the what you will find is that none of it hangs together, and that's so fine. much of it is actually like so much of it is CIA planted disinfo. Not to sound even crazier than the conspiracy theorists, just to cover up the fact that some of it is real. There's right. all this different stuff that the CIA probably planted themselves, you know, to to cover up the truth. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. I feel like we really were able to get in deep and separate the wheat from the chaff when we come back we are going to get to our third question already and it's about a very special actor mr kevin costner hey guys thank you so much for listening so far and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it that's my guarantee while i have you here let me tell you about a website it's called yourpopfilter.com and it's everything you need that's related to pop filter everything mike everything ryan everything greg everything cassie everything is there at yourpopfilter.com while you're there go to yourpopfilter.com slash amazon make that your new amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there that way we get a little piece of the action and amazon doesn't make sure you're also listening to everything that pop filter has to offer which includes the superhero show show a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Kevin freaking Costner. Is this sole film... Enough proof that Kevin Costner is an amazing actor that belongs in the pantheon of amazing actors. Or is he just elevated by a cast of ringers? I think he's great. And I've loved him my whole life. He was the Prince of Thieves, after all. But In this same year, right? So like he, yeah. Was, yeah. he, he was doing double duty here, folks. Um, and maybe a couple of days on the set, switched the accents accidentally. But I, this, this may be a good time to go over the differences between actor and star. Okay. I just I think that he is an incredible star. He's very handsome and he's charming and 
despite his voice that can really drone, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that he's immensely watchable. And I, I think that you know Stone had a lot of quotes because the there was a million people up for this role. And Stone talked a lot about how he was the most all-American guy that you have to root for no matter what. That, that for sure. That there's so many times in hindsight thinking about the movie, you're like, oh, he was a little wonky there or being an asshole there. But while you're watching him, you're only pro uh-huh. Costner's Garrison. It's because... God damn it, Kevin. I love you. And I think this is the best acting. I, I also find him charismatic, was raised on Prince of Thieves. But I think this is best acting from him because, like Greg, you said at the beginning that this is just basically a three-hour essay. And yeah. most of that is delivered by him. But he's saying it with passion. He's not stumbling over the the written-to-death lines. He He's saying it like they're off the top of his head. He's almost near to tears at times in the courtroom when he's, like, angry and and all uh he, they found all the bugs he's like i'm coming to washington uh-huh. so many other people would overplay any of those emotions but because he is costner middle of the roading it it all plays real and and grounded and and pretty compelling apparently he kept turning down the role because he told his wife that he was gonna take a break from acting he had already made a movie that year yeah uh but then read the script and sent it to her and she was like no, you have to do this movie, which is probably bullshit. Stuff like that never happens. It's Kevin, but Kevin Costner was at least passionate about this movie to make that story up yes. and tell people that it happened. She's so probably closer those, to see Spacek. As, as I have done this podcast more and more and done more and more research, so many of the stories told around the making of movies are obviously just bullshit. The yeah. most common one that is like that is uh, every time I've ever done trivia for a movie that contains a nude scene with a woman... It is always, there's always a fun fact that's like, you know, actually, there wasn't even supposed to be a nude scene here, but she wanted to do it so bad. She said, it's necessary to the part. She just popped her top, and then we just went on filming. And I, every single time, I'm like, that is such bullshit. <laughs> no. My wife demanded that I make this movie. She said, Kev, that's what she calls me, I will leave you if you do not make the Jifka movie. And so I said, honey, that's what I call her. I am more than willing to do it. So... I think he is definitely doing the brand of acting in this that everyone is doing, right? He's going for that sort of over-the-top, um, like, almost... He's like, I think we remember this movie as being one long court case. Uh-huh. Because even though only, like, 25% of it is a long court case, he is giving his opening statement <laughs> yeah. to anybody who will listen from the beginning <laughs> to the He's end. He's force-gumping it. <laughs> and I kept going back and forth between being like, this is too much like an essay. This is too much like an opening argument to being like, no, but I bet this guy really was like it, that. I know the movie shows there's a lot of reasons Michael Rooker and the other guy like quit and leave for ver- various amounts of time. But part of it seems like, yeah, if your boss is always just lecturing instead of listening yes. to the, the, the reporting you're bringing him, you would also be like, I'm done. Did that you ever other feel- actor's name, uh, the guy that's not Michael Rooker, his name is J.O. Sanders. And... His it's middle initial O, and that you shouldn't be allowed to do that, like because that you sound Irish. Jacob Sanders, <laughs> David Russell. Did you ever feel like in this movie that when another character would talk, it's because Oliver Stone was sitting there and he was like, "Shit, there's other people in this scene." Uh, <laughs> and then when they would pick up, they almost sounded exactly like Garrison <laughs> themselves. Yeah, I, he again, also perfected the. Uh, it, there's a lot of pipe in the mouth, but also a lot of glasses in the mouth. Like, uh-huh. There's a lot of Garrison just pondering before <laughs> while somebody's listening or while somebody else is talking, but he's not listening. No, he's, he's thinking of his next thing to say. He's writing his sentences before he says them. <laughs> Do you think that this same sort of all-American 
charm that Kevin Costner used to rise to stardom in 91, that now it's working against him because we no longer see the sort of like, aw shucks, American innocence as like something laudable anymore. It feels well, naive, it feels dumb. He's on the biggest show in the history of oh, men yeah. 60 years or older. Like, yeah. He still has it, and there's still a population that wants it. You know, uh, us kids who grew up on him um, are a little more jaded now, but the people who were adults when he came are like, mm. they still want that costume back. Do you know how many old relatives have told me on this trip that I need to watch Yellowstone? <laughs> Dude, that's, that's what visiting family is. It's just a not, everyone becomes Jim Garrison, but about Yellowstone. <laughs> Did uh, this well, happen gradually or all of a sudden? I feel like I had ne- like I had heard that Yellowstone existed both as a national right. park and as a show. And then kind of radio silence. And now I am aware that there is a prequel and that everybody oh in goodness. the world knows what's going on with the show Yellowstone. Well, oh, it's it's gone yeah. like full Walking Dead. Like we're going to get three or four iterations of this show. I think what happened Fear is the Yellowstone. that <laughs> when it first started because uh, I think this is like season four. It's been on for a while. Yeah, I think like uh, five or even maybe. That Six. the old dudes that we're talking about, <laughs> um, they started, they told each other about it. Like they were strong word of mouth, but just not in our bubble. Like, right. Yeah. We wouldn't hear Very about that bubbles. shit because we're not on, we're not uh, doing conservative memes on Facebook every morning. And I feel like without even watching it, I should tell my dad he should, that he should watch yeah. it. Oh, he, yeah. He if he wants to like that. fit in at his. Old man parties, place? yeah. Which is so weird because he weirdly does, even though he's never been like a, a, a macho person. man himself. He's always been into them, so he'll like to be able to talk to the guys at the gym about the the cool hetero stuff they're all into. <laughs> I I think the new Kevin Costner, for good or ill, is like Ryan Reynolds because he's also so all American doesn't mean anything anymore. But it's he's always kind of just himself. But he's at what Kevin Costner injects, uh, like. Light gravitas and the aw shucks and Ryan Reynolds injects the isn't everything stupid? What I'm uh, doing right now isn't that stupid? Including and, me, aren't I stupid? Yes, and then that's what the younger generation is like. Yes, everything is stupid. It's dumb nihilism. Is what Ryan Reynolds gives us. <laughs> I felt like my heart sank when you said that Ryan Ryan Reynolds was our modern Kevin Costner, and I I'm not sure why I had that like visceral reaction. I felt like- <laughs> In Greek mythology, how people are just getting worse and worse and worse, and like this is the this is the age of just bronze. <laughs> we have fallen so far that our Kevin Costners are Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> well, this movie probably won some awards, maybe won some awards. I don't know, but when we come back from this break, it will win many awards. We all dream of receiving them. Well, that's not a dream for Jifka. <laughs> Jifka did it and actually received awards. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Writing, Screenplay, Best Sound, Best Music, and won for Best Cinematography and Best Film Editing. That feels kind of cheap. It feels like they kind of jammed them with two of the, of the lessees as a way of saying, like, we see your movie. We like what you did there. Plus, uh, but I mean, like, this movie is all those two things, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. If it's, it's, it, you could almost say most editing. Yes. This one for <laughs> most editing in any movie ever. <laughs> well, we're going to give it some awards. Let's start with surprising cameo. What wins the award for surprising cameo, Mike? 
There were so now cameo. Many. This is like a small brooch with a picture in it. Yes, and I was surprised yeah. to see that everybody was wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, and maybe this is bigger than a cameo, but I think I was most. I was surprised so many times, like this person too, and this person. Uh, yes, but I'm gonna give it to Lori Metcalf because for so it took me so long into her scenes to realize that this is Aunt Jackie from Roseanne. Uh-huh. And because she's not funny, she's not wacky. She's just delivering a solid, dope, dramatic "I own the room" performance, uh, and she crushed it. And everybody else around then was in movies all the time. And and as a kid, I only knew her from Roseanne and then later Scream Three. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Scream Two. Uh, so yeah, I'm giving it to Laura Metcalf. Could have been funnier though. You said it yourself. Could have been funny. Yeah, I could have used a Pratt fall or two. <laughs> Ryan, what do you think? I, I got to go, John Candy. Um, yeah, dude, yeah. the Candyman was in this movie. Come on, Daddy O. And we just—I don't think we've ever done a movie of the year with him in it. He just wasn't in—he he was movies. in beloved movies, but maybe not yeah. movie of the year movies. Uh, so it was awesome. And although he was playing kind of a dick bag, um, I read that that sweat was not like added. He said that he was so nervous about being in an Oliver Stone movie with actual <laughs> actors. <laughs> that he was just so nervous that he was sweating the entire time. And it's like, Candyman, you got to be fucking sweet and adorable, even on JFK. Yeah, it really worked with him just like fanning himself yeah. in the South. <laughs> and, and his dialogue is so interesting. Yeah, it was, it was great to see him. Uh, I'm definitely going to... There are no winners on this one because it's not it's not technically a game show. But Ryan, if there had been winners, Damn. you definitely would have won that <laughs> for Candyman, which I now have said three times so i'm right up against the limit here. uncle buck's gonna play. show up now we might go back to back on this one because ryan who do you think wins the award for best accent i did in this movie? i did think about the daddy o himself um yeah and if, it, if it was best sunglasses um for sure yeah but i uh we see tommy lee jones he's a great actor but he doesn't change his voice that much and i thought here no. Um, not flamboyant, but definitely southern. And he he reminded me so much of um Dale or Bill Dotrieve's family from, yes. from New Orleans, and how Bobby just Bobby Hill just sinks right into it. <laughs> that is one of the best episodes of King of the Hill. Like that is such a good Bobby episode. This this summer flower is wilted. <laughs> There's one point where, uh. <laughs> Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is getting grilled by Kevin Costner, and uh, he stands up and he's like, "May I go? Uh, I have, I'm, I'm gonna go home and make myself some etouffee." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you got it, dude! You got it right there." Don't know what the fuck There's etouffee scene- is, but you're gonna go eat it. There's one scene where Tommy Lee Jones gets the vapors, recovers, and then instantly gets the vapors again—a <laughs> <laughs> real double vapor situation. Mike, what do you say? Who has the best accent in this movie? I think there are a lot of uh, successful attempts and unsuccessful attempts at accents in this movie. I think the person who is the most consistent is Kevin Bacon. And maybe it's because he only has a couple scenes where he has to, but there was no shakiness. He just delivered his southern accent, and it Uh worked. And uh, I'm going to say he's just a real working-class accent doer. He's not trying to etouffee his way into anything fancy. Kevin Bacon's character is one of my picks for guy who, when you hear him talking, you're like, this all makes sense. But when you take a step back, you're like, okay, wait. So here's this prostitute who's in prison who calls this guy and is like, I'm going to tell you how the world really works. Well, what I would say to Greg is that you don't know shit because you haven't been fucked in the ass. So, of course, you don't really believe him. <laughs> that is very interesting life advice. Plus, Kevin Costner at the beginning of the movie, he's like, I don't understand how being a prostitute makes you go blind. 
because they're always like discounted as witnesses. But th- all of them are in the court case. Every single one is like, ah, he did heroin. Doesn't know what's up. Right. Yeah. This movie reminded me. Uh, as of this recording, I'm trying to catch up on the end of the year stuff, including watching Mayor of Easttown, which is such a just barrage of Pennsylvanian accents. Everyone, (laughs) everyone's just thick. Everyone's doing it as hard as they can, but no two accents are similar. Uh, That's PA, baby. (laughs) And that's my wife and I have only talked like that for the last week. (laughs) (laughs) Can you give us a little sampling? I just like don't go home because it's a lot of it's a lot of Lorne Michaels. Like (laughs) don't go don't go home until we get the. You sound like Doctor Evil. One billion dollars. One million dollars for the water race. All right, so uh, I am going to give that to Kevin Bacon, and a quick apology to sex workers and our uh, imprisoned population. You're as trustable as anybody else. Why? Why did I? Why did I profane your name like that? Well, that leads us directly to cringe. What award? What did this movie wins for cringe, Mike? It so often. The things it's showing when you cringe, it wants you to cringe. So I, there's a quick flash. Like when the president's head goes booby bam? Yeah, that wants you to cringe yeah. at that. Or when people are saying things like, when there's like light homophobia, I think the movie is not on the side of the homophobes. Uh, a lot of times there's light homophobia, which is just setting up the bigger homophobia. And it's the homophobia you made along the way, I think is the point of the movie. <laughs> So the cringe, there's a flash of we get a Mardi Gras parade and there's just like a float of people in blackface and then we move on. I was like, why did I just see that? Why did I have to see that first? That's come on, movie. So that's mine. That's pretty cringy, Ryan. Could you do better than that? <laughs> yeah, uh, Garrison's closing speech, and we're so close, Oliver Stone. We're so close to the end of the movie, and then uh, his very last thing is Kevin Costner looks into the fucking camera and says, and it's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I thought about that. I think it's in who shot Mr. Burns where, uh, yeah. <laughs> can you, can you solve the crime? And then the camera, I don't know. I'll try to wig him. And it's like, I mean, it is my job. <laughs> uh, give my best shot, I guess. So yeah, it should, we should have spun around and the jury was like, okay, Mr. Garrison, sure. But no, he was talking to us. It's up to us to figure out who killed JFK. Not guilty. There's been one movie to ever do looking right down the camera well, and that is Tokyo Story. If you if your movie's not Tokyo Story, hey, guess what? Just throw out that shot. It's hard to do. And certainly don't have somebody talk to the audience literally through the camera. I'm going to give it to that. That's a bigger cringe than blackface. I'm going on the record. <laughs> How about director signature, Mike? Do you want to try to use blackface again for that one? No, is he known for that? Because that's horrible. Even in no. Alexander Stone, come on. Uh, I'm going to give it to. We watched a three and a half hour movie, and I'm it sure was it dubiously uh, truthful, which I know he's known for. But he was like, "I the movie didn't do enough. Now I just got to give you Star Wars paragraphs at the end to let you know what <laughs> kept going." And that feels very <laughs> Oliver Stone. I don't know if it actually is, but emotionally, it feels very Oliver Stone. Of like, I'm not done. Wait, wait, wait! Don't leave the theater yet. <laughs> we gave you three hours. <laughs> there was hardly any drama. It was just characters talking about what their whole deal was, and yet you still had to at the end be like, "All right, wait, hang on, just read this pamphlet." At least it was, Ryan, what do you think? At least it was true, though, as opposed to Boys in the Hood, remember? Where it was like, three days later, Ice Cube died. <laughs> um, my director's signature, uh, towards the, I would say in the first hour of the movie, when things are really flying fast and furious, um, it cuts to these like camps in Cuba, 
and it legit it's it's real footage but then it's in black and white but then it's also all of a sudden um oliver stone and um gary oldman is there and he's just standing yeah. there and joe pesci is there and that whole like we're going to strobe out basically editing style it, it just has all of stone's tricks in this scene where the editing is going to be super flashy and we don't want it's not about making you think what i think is true it's about making you second guess everything with the with yeah. the real footage and the fake footage all blurred together and again it's not to make you think gary oldman was in cuba at the time it's just to be this sort of purposefully confused controlled chaos so your contention is that Barry Oldman was not in Cuba at that I time. I can't say that he was or was not. Because it just looked from the pictures, it honestly looked like it, it looked was. like he might have been. Back in 91, uh, we were not Back sure what, in 91. What, <laughs> what could and could not be done with computers. Um, they were just and lines. you'd see a shot like that, and you'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I like that in one of the long speeches, a random stranger is slowly making is doing live action Photoshop uh-huh. and then and then they explain it. And I was like, I think they put it in there. So we would believe that you can do this to photos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to give the, that award to Ryan's pick for the, the hyper editing, which again, this one for this one, the Oscar for editing. So it makes sense. Ryan, who do you think takes down for best pound for pound performance? Are we going back to John Candy? <laughs> I wish um, <laughs> this was I wish. In, in the movie enough. Uh, I do have to give it to just a uh, Tommy Lee Jones again. Um, I just yeah. thought it was a really restrained performance, and the fucking look on his face the entire time. You know, there's scenes in the movie that we see of Tommy Lee Jones that he doesn't necessarily know we saw. You know, like mm-hmm. the way that he is in public versus private is different, but still of the same piece. Um, the the, the smirk, the cockiness, the knowing that I'm going to get away with it, but never like that asshole. Um, and just the voice, the commanding presence. Like he's tall. The the white hair is shocking to look at. Shockingly but, white. Yeah. Weird curly. Well, yeah, just this weird white fro. But once you get used to that, um, I think that he you can't take your eyes off him. Do you agree, Mike? I have to concur. Uh, I think it's there's a point in the courtroom where he's smirking right at Garrison. But the smirk does not hit his eyes. His eyes are actually starting to get a little sweaty. But his like so the lower half is like, no, I'm gonna get in your head and be like, I'm untouchable. And his eyes are like, ah, oh, shit. All the stuff he said is true. It is up to the audience. And yeah, he just never get. And we we've seen Tommy Lee Jones get big in his career, and that in a movie where a lot of people are getting big, he was like, what if I didn't hear? Yeah, is this different it, it than him like- as Two Face? Would you say? I I think they're comparable. <laughs> I think he really understood that it could be both things that you could you could take the style of the movie and still incorporate a more down to earth, mm-hmm. you know, realistic performance and he sort of got the best of both worlds and I guess he was nominated for best actor in a supporting role. So, congratulations cuz he also won our best actor in the movie that we were just talking about. Do you guys have recommendations for me? I think I said it earlier. Uh the Three days at the Condor. If you if you if you like this, go watch that. It's it's more paranoia. There's a very. I kept trying to remind myself that Donald Sutherland and Max Van Sydow are different human beings. Yes, they okay, play dude. similar vibes in these movies for Those sure. Those are very much the same sort of like speeches and characters in the same setting. I got like yeah, I definitely got confused about that too. Wait, <laughs> I do want to give so, yeah. Sutherland props though. Like not 
didn't sort of win my best performance because it's it is just sitting on a bench. But to be able to pull that sort of scene off where you really are a history professor lecturing for like a yeah. solid 12 minutes and still make it that compelling uh, I think Sutherland gets a lot of credit but I'm gonna and his attitude of isn't the world bullshit but isn't it all kind of funny yeah like, like it was a great delivery which was side OS van, or van side OS 2 uh, for yeah. sure just like yeah. Garrison's like testifying. He's like, "Fuck no." Anyway, bye. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they like they got him transferred as far away from the scene of the crime as they possibly could ahead of time, right? And then he came back after they had made none of hit the like normal security procedures. Like the fact that they didn't kill that guy—that's just a temporary condition. If he goes yeah. to like testify, he's going to end up like taking his own life or getting in a bad car accident. Um, Mine would be the the one of the books this is based on. I read uh, Crossfire, the plot that killed Kennedy, and you very much have the same process reading the book that you do watching the movie, which is about 15 minutes through, you're like, I'm going to figure out who did this. <laughs> uh, and then halfway through, you're like, all right, it's all coming together. And then you get near the end, and you're just like, I'm more confused now than I was before. And you feel like truth is impossible. <laughs> There's no knowing anything. Would you say that you'll get caught up in it? Yeah, dude, you will definitely get caught up in it. It is so. Can we just say, like, we didn't? I don't know if you want to go through some of your greatest hits of like crazy parts of this conspiracy, but the part where the president gets shot and then the guy driving the car just stops the car. Yeah, dude, what? Why would you do that? <laughs> and the story is like, oh well, I wanted uh, Jackie Onassis to be able to jump off the back. What? Yeah. Don't what? stop. The, if the, if someone is shooting at the president, don't stop the car. Also. That very much seems like his first too much to account. His for. first thought was, "Oh my God, this is an assassination attempt on Jackie Onassis." Yeah, get she her. should be able to run away. <laughs> if what you should have done, we've learned from movies, is if anything happens while you're driving, you close your eyes and you veer wildly. Yeah. That's what yeah. happens uh, for sure. You know, what the shooter won't suspect is you just drive right up through that sidewalk for a while. My recommendation, we already talked about it as well, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a different sort of conspiracy that is about how, uh, like, the government just destroyed homes in order to earn money uh, on billboards on freeways. So mm-hmm. it's a real thing that happened, guys, just this time with cartoons. Maybe maybe think about taking it seriously for once, yeah. right? Jerks. Do you know what was wild? Is how many people got offended that anybody dare criticize the government. Mm-hmm. That's bananas. I guess there are still people like that, but they seem like cranks now instead of like, that's the norm. <laughs> just in the courtroom. The other lawyer, random people are like, how dare he say yeah. this? It's like, wait, you knew what this case was about, right? <laughs> like, this can't be a surprise. A lot of murmuring, well, this is This is right around the time where um, trust in the government was, like, so high that... Remember when that the, the story of that U-2 plane going down uh, over Russia? The, the government said, no, that didn't happen. And then when Russia produced that pilot... I was taught in history class that a lot of people, that was the first time they knew the president had lied. Whoa. So how could like that's how jejun the nation was at the time that like you really think that's the first time the president ever lied was like no we don't ha- we don't have spy planes flying over Russia and uh, what it seems like too the since then uh, is it's a lot of like we know that they're liars we just don't want to hear about it like if if you start proving it then we have to deal with it and what's better is if we just bitch about it a little bit but then move on not specific. Well, we have bitched about this a little bit, and we are going to move on. When we come back, I'm going to ask you guys, do you think this could have made some noise in the bracket? Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. 
you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for Ryan to draw you a picture. Uh, I can write you a poem. You can get the shirts off our very own backs. All of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on Bandcamp. he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music check him out well i don't want to say this was pure raves but i think for one of our bonus shows this is about as close to just like singing the praises of a movie as we have had does that give either one of you pause at all about the fact that it's not in the main bracket nah (laughs) i I don't think it could i don't think it could take the bracket down it does for like it definitely gives me pause not so much so that like i would know which movie to kick out necessarily or like i'm choosing one but i do think that it was a mistake as far as like how important, how impactful this movie was at the time and continues to be that. I mean, like this year was a lot about JFK discussion. Yeah. 1991 was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's still being like memed and it was referenced in, in every show for years and years and years since then. I have to say the one reason I am not sad uh, that it didn't make the bracket is it's a very compelling piece of entertainment, but I still come back to the question at the top of the show, which is like, this is like really expanding the idea of what a movie can mm. be. I think almost to the breaking point to me. Um, I loved it. It was interesting, but it was so much just like a video essay and it took pains to sometimes like kind of like side put in some narrative mm-hmm. structure um and so i i'm not i don't think it would have won i think it maybe could have done some early damage but i don't think we're missing out on it really yeah i think it's an interesting mess but it's still a mess enough that i don't think it would have gone far but a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to talk about and certainly helps build out our idea of what 1991 is because the scenes that have survived this movie are bigger than the movie itself you know back into the left being one of them um it's a lot of fun to talk about but it's also a lot of fun to listen to people talk about it like people are gonna fucking love this episode yeah they're gonna just cream their pants well i guess what we'll do we'll get out ahead of this and we'll just say you're welcome you know you're you're welcome holidays yeah that's this is our gift to you and as always we are the podcast that keeps on giving but until we have a chance to give you even more hey do us each and every one of us a favor would you and keep watching damn movie